Welcome to the QNS Podcast. Each Monday, we take a look back at the week's news in Queens. I'm Jacob Kay. And I'm Angelica Acevedo. On today's show, the election results are in. We also head to a protest over a proposed homeless shelter in Glendale that has residents and some elected officials very angry. Speaking of angry elected officials, nearly 30 of them came out against a new liquor store trying to open in College Point. They say it will be the death of mom and pop liquor stores in the area. Lastly, we shot with two musicians who draw their inspiration from their neighborhood, Long Island City. Let's burrow in. As a follow-up from last week's episode, we have the results from Tuesday's election. Melinda Katz cruised to victory in the district attorney's race. While celebrating in Forest Hills, she promised she'll work day and night to keep the borough safe and give young people second chances. Now that Katz won, that means the Queensboro president race is officially on. The election for the position will take place 45 days after Katz takes the DA's office, which will be in early January. Several people have announced they're running for the spot. They include city council members Costa Constantinides, Donovan Richards, and Jimmy Van Bramer, former city council member Elizabeth Carley, and assembly member Alicia Heinemann. Jumani Williams also cruised to victory in the public advocate race. He beat out Republican Councilman Joe Borelli of Staten Island and Libertarian Devin Balkan. Lastly, voters approved all of the five amendments to the city charter that appeared on the ballot. This means that ranked choice voting, which allows voters to rank up to five candidates for primary and special elections for mayor, public advocate, comptroller, borough president, and the city council, will start in 2021. Another big change in the charter was the expansion of the Civilian Complaint Review Board. The change will authorize the CCRB to investigate statements police make during its investigative process and will expand the board to 15 members instead of the 13 they have now. An interesting thing to note about this election period is that only a little over 1% of all registered New York City voters participated in the nine days of early voting across the five boroughs. Protesters and elected officials gathered to speak out against the proposed homeless shelter in Glendale on Saturday, November 2nd. It was one of the first truly chilly fall days of the year, and anyone sleeping outside that night could have told you. The issue here is a homeless shelter, one that would house 200 employed or employable men. And while Glendale is one of the few community districts without a homeless shelter, Residents and elected officials led by City Councilman Robert Holden vehemently opposed the project. We are not taking this shelter. We are not going to have it here. They say they'd support smaller sites that would hold less people and that this proposed shelter is unnecessary and a threat to the neighborhood. We spoke to a few residents before the protest kicked off. The reality is that something has to be done about homeless people, but the community has to be consulted and the community has to accept it because if, you, if the community doesn't accept it, then it's not going to work. We don't have that many homeless from the neighborhood, right? And it's fine to take care of your own. Great, terrific, you know? But don't make it the dumping ground for everybody else. I mean, it's common sense. They could put a nice school here. Why not? The city is not telling us where these men are coming from. Are they coming from jail? And we're not happy with that. And their beliefs were backed by Holden. They're putting shelters in our home, in our near our homes, so that they can house the criminals. Obviously, 
It's a halfway house. That's what they're doing. Mike Papa, who is a member of the Glendale Middle Village Coalition, repeated many of Holden's points. We're here to say no to this plan to house dangerous, unpredictable, drug-abusing ex-convicts in the center of our community. We say no to that. At one point, Papa said that while homelessness is a problem in the city, Glendale has not produced the amount of homeless people the shelter would house. But, according to the Department of Homeless Services, 249 people from Community Board 5, which encompasses Glendale, are in shelters across the city. Papa also claimed that there was a link between criminal justice reform, which is taking a place in the city and the state and the country, and he, he linked that with the building of the new shelter in Glendale. They're coming out of Rikers Island. That's who they are. They're not homeless men. They're convicts. We got the shelter, the, you know, these shelters are being built over here, and it's in direct relation to closing Rikers Island, right? And the Justice Reform Act. In January, thousands of people are going to be released from prison, from jails, all over the city. And they're decriminalizing a lot of crimes here. And that's what they're preparing facilities like this for. As the protest wore on, the speakers made it more and more clear that they believed the shelter was coming to Glendale because of a government conspiracy that started with Mayor Bill de Blasio. They talked about corrupt deals, a mayor who had it out for Glendale, and a racist school's chancellor. That's why we need to fire the racist Carranza. Fire Carranza! Fire Carranza! Fire the racist! Fire the racist! None of the speaker's accusations have been found to be true. Local musicians Pat Irwin and Walter Hawks say they've drawn inspiration for their latest album from their home, Long Island City. The neighborhood has changed, they say, and their music reflects that. Looking back while also looking forward, that's what they say their sound is all about. Let's listen to a clip. track from their album, Wide Open Sky. Pat and Walter joined us this week to talk about their new album. Here's our conversation. Thank you for joining us, Pat and Walter. Thank you. Hello, how are you? Great. All righty, let's dive right in and talk about this album. Your upcoming album is called Wide Open Sky, and it was, as you both told me, written and recorded right in Long Island City. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the inspiration for this project? Well, we're friends and we're neighbors. We both write music for cartoons. And we knew that we wanted to work together. Um, really, for me, the inspiration was the opportunity to make something new with Walter. Um, we, it was a very do-it-yourself type of project, but I, I knew Walter 
you know, from other, uh, you know, seeing him perform, but I also knew him as a, as a composer, and it was just the kind of thing that, speaking for myself, that I just wanted to do. We had performed a couple times together at the Long Island City Arts Festival, and the first time we performed was at a garage uh, here in Long Island City, and then the next time it was a, a storefront, and then and several sort of offbeat places, and it just seemed like a good thing to do. We wanted to do it. Yes, and I, I was definitely uh, inspired by some of Pat's homemade CDs he had done, and I just really liked the vibe of them, and I kind of wanted to collaborate on something with a similar spirit as those, um, as that was quite a bit different also from the kind of stuff I would normally uh, do, you know, out, out in New York City playing trombone. Can we also talk a little bit about how Long Island City, a neighborhood that you're both residents of, kind of played a part in the making of this album? Well, the, uh, the, the name itself, Wide Open Sky, is uh, a reference to what the sky used to look like <laughs> in Long Island City, where, you know, the, the buildings were, were short, and uh, a lot of uh, industrial buildings, and you really would see a lot of sky. And uh, from many, many places, you would see the skyline of uh, Manhattan across the water. And, of course, both uh, Pat and I have been in the neighborhood for a very long time, Pat for much longer than I, and we've both witnessed the change. So, yes, there is a certain amount of pining or nostalgia as such uh, for the, you know, the neighborhood we moved to. Things have uh, definitely changed quite a bit. We came here to this neighborhood because it was a place where we could do our work. I mean, you know, it's just where we settled. You know, it was, it's just, it wasn't, there weren't a lot of people here. Uh, there were definitely people here long before we got here. But it felt like a place where we could do, be creative. And it's and it just, it's home. And at the same time, it's changing, which in and of itself isn't the whole story. Things change. It's the big city. We just didn't think it would change this way. So for someone who would listen to the album, how would you describe it? I call it modern music. It's a duet. It's like, it's intimate. It's got elements of jazz, but it's got elements of electronic music. Yet It, has some, it also has some elements of, uh, you know, classic minimalism, uh, uh, a la... Uh, you know, Eno or Phil Glass or something like that. Yeah, it, it, it was an opportunity for us to, to to pool our, you know, influences. When we started out, we didn't really know what it was going to be. And I think that was part of the challenge. Yeah. I never considered myself a jazz musician, but Walter speaks that vocabulary. So the challenge was to, you know, combine combine it and make something, really we wanted to make something beautiful. We want to make yeah. something that you wanted to listen to. Yeah, something that I would listen to in my own apartment, which uh, I don't really typically like listening to stuff I made myself for some reason. Uh, you know, when it comes up on my uh, iTunes mixer one, or I'm, I'm the quickest to uh, hit fast forward. But this one, I, I really like. It's mellow, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I made, I made something. I think that's what you have to do. You have to be able to please yourself. That's for, for particularly, you know, when you been at it for a while that's not easy to do and um this record was full of surprises but i'll go back to basically saying i think we both wanted to make something that was beautiful and you also have a music video for in another time can you tell us a little bit about that video and the idea behind it we have one 
that Walter really put a lot into for a song called Automatic 3. Uh, we have one done for Radiate. And then there's another one that you just mentioned for In Another Time, which is basically evening in the neighborhood in Long Island City, starting down at Annabelle Basin and just walking through the neighborhood as the sun set over Manhattan. And it's just kind of our way of acknowledging that this is where we live. This is who we are. And change or not, it it is where we live and who we are. <laughs> yeah, know, exactly. It, all the good stuff with the stuff that uh, makes me go, eh. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think part of the record has that feel. It's good got a feel of looking backwards and a feel of looking forwards. Lastly, you also have a release party coming up, right, on November 17th. Can you tell us a little bit about that, too? That is correct. Yes, well, we are doing a uh, CD release party in Long Island City on November 17th. That's a Sunday. Doors are at 7. We start playing around 8. Uh, no cover. And this is at 1010 Studios, a quaint little uh, photography, local photography studio uh, in the neighborhood, uh, 1010-47th Road, Long Island City. Awesome. Thank you so much, Pat and Walter. Great. Thanks, Thanks so much. Just an update on a story we covered a few episodes ago. Uh, Total Wine, the discount liquor store looking to come to College Point, ran into another hurdle this week. About 30 politicians came out against the project, claiming the business isn't as small as the owner originally made it out to be. Back in September, residents got word that Total Wine & More, that's the full name of the company, had applied for a liquor license in College Point. Michelle Trone She's the daughter of the retail chain's founder, and she was going to be the one operating the store. She claimed that it would be operated independent of the larger chain. Still, local liquor store owners worried that the introduction of Total Wine would put them all out of business. And now, elected officials are taking their side. While only a few came out against the liquor retailer in September, including Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, more have joined the fight after they were led to believe that Trone's store would be more connected to the larger chain than she had previously stated. Trone, however, stands by her position. The store is hers, and it's hers alone. We'll bring you more updates as this story develops. If the cold doesn't scare you, consider passing by the Queens County Farm Museum in Little Neck, where you can stock up on farm-fresh produce and over 80 varieties of fruits and vegetables and herbs and flowers. The seasonal farm stand is open from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. on the weekends. Visit the Sam Field Center for the debut exhibition of Queens-based artist Galena Galmer, who will showcase her unique abstracts from November 15th through January 1st. The Sam Field Center is located at 5820 Little Neck Parkway. For more information, visit commonpointqueens.org. The second annual Dancing with LIC Stars is back and bigger than it has ever been. Go watch some amazing dance moves by duos of Long Island City community members and local Queens choreographers. There will be a buffet dinner and raffles throughout the night. The event will take place on November 15th at the Plaxall Gallery in Long Island City from 6 to 9 p.m. 
Admission is $60 for adults and $10 for kids. This episode was produced by Jacob K. Co-written and co-hosted by Jacob K. and me, Angelica Acevedo. Our reporters are Jenna Bacall, Emily Davenport, Carlota Mohammed, Bill Perry, Max Parrott, and me. Our editor is Zach Welp. Music by Blue Dot Sessions. This podcast is brought to you by Schneps Media. See you next week. <laughs>